from Vegas style New Year's to summertime Hawaiian parties where everybody's in full like Hawaiian get up. I, I think I've been doing this um, even way before I knew what I wanted to be. So, so you want to make sure not only are we putting ourselves in the correct place where our customers reside or our future potential customers reside, but also um, that you're doing it with your best foot forward. And that's where those vendors come in to say, like, I know that I'm going to create great products that puts the best foot forward for my company and really starts to put us on the map at these. You know, getting an arsenal of vendors and, and understanding how they can work for you and how they can make you shine as a rock star. Um, having, going back to the sales kickoff, having, having a company that does corporate events and knowing that they've done them well, and this is like, the second company and the sixth or seventh time I've used them, I know what product I'm going to get out of it. So they make me look great as an event manager in my events with a positive feeling. So no matter what, you know, no matter what the experience is. And I, I think, I think no matter what we do as event managers, you're going to get feedback that's negative. And I've said that to everybody. I used to take that so personally at everyone. And then I realized people are just people, right? Um, some people just like to complain to complain. I hate to say that, but they do. Um, Lindsay is a seasoned senior event planner with over 20 years of experience in the events and marketing industry, ranging from associations to IT. She's currently the foundational events manager at a small life science SaaS startup, and she's known for her creativity and motivation in providing unique experiences for attendees. Lindsay's a true mantra meant to be led her to her dream destination, where she now resides on the coast of North Carolina with her family and furry friends. Welcome to Eventus 365 the podcast that's all about corporate events and the magic behind the scenes. I'm your host, Yannick DaCosta, and I am excited to take you on a journey through the world of corporate events. But before we dive in, let's talk about the stress of creating marketing material for your events. We all know how tough it can be when deadlines are tight and resources are limited, but guess what? YKMD Visual Communications has got your back. Our design firm specializes in working with corporate event professionals just like you, and we're here to help take the stress out of creating stunning graphics for your event. Our team of expert designers can deliver custom brand compliant designs in just 12 hours. So whether you mean branding, signage, marketing materials, or anything else, YKMD's got you covered. Okay, now that that's done, let's start the show. All right, so Lindsay. Can you share with us your journey from working in the events and marketing industry to becoming like a senior event planner and the foundational events um, manager at Life Science? That's a, like a SaaS startup, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. So I think we can't start with the journey until we talk about the very beginning, which is I was always the one in college planning all the parties for all my friends. Um, I love I, that for you. I figured that this is where I should start because it was a cute story of um, really my family being patient with me as our house was the central point for all events. And um, I love it because if I think back to being 18, 19 years old, I would throw like a Vegas style casino New Year's and my dad was in full bow tie dealing the cards out to my friends. And these are like visions that I have where I feel like I didn't even know what I wanted to be at that point, but those foundations were so rooted in who I was as a teenager mm -hmm. and my family just supported it. And I just thought that was really cool. So, um, you know, to 
from Vegas style New Year's to summertime Hawaiian parties where everybody's in full like Hawaiian get up. I, I think I've been doing this um, even way before I knew what I wanted to be. So um, that's where the foundation started. Um, I was lucky enough to land at um, a small nonprofit where I pretty much learned from the best in the business. Um, if you if you know anything about nonprofits, people don't typically leave there unless they retire <laughs> or retire yeah. in other ways. So, yeah. um, so I kind of was there for seven years and I was a marketing strategist. So I was in charge of kind of doing all the promotion of the events and really getting people to attend and um, you know, all of the foundational stuff to make sure that the event was had attendance. And I always kind of envied the event planners there, just their ideas and things they were doing. But I knew that there wasn't going to be a role for me. Um, I also at that time, social media was kind of coming onto the map. I wanted to do a little bit more with that. So I moved on to a technology company where I could um, do a mix of social media and event planning. And my goodness, that's where I kind of learned everything in 10 years um, and 10 years goes very fast when you're when you're planning over 200 events a year from sponsorships to sales conferences to engineering summits and all kinds of um, crowds and people so um, again learning from the best there I had two managers that seemed to have endless ideas with events and I feel like those 17 years together between the nonprofit and the technology company really, solidified who I was as an event planner and allowed me to step into my current role at Qualio, um, which is a life sciences startup and start from the ground up with nothing. We didn't even have so much as a tablecloth um, for going to third party events. So um, that's kind of, I know that's, that's, that's so minor in what I'm doing now, but I, I feel like that's the foundation of where it came from. No, minor is relative, right? Like everybody had a starting point and I feel like just how, just you sharing that story or just like the, the even the littlest thing that you guys didn't have kind of gives other people who might be starting from a similar place the understanding like, you know, transition growth development is completely possible. It's completely attainable. Um, First of all, I'm going to circle back a bit. Parties at your house on a regular... Listen, I couldn't be your parent. I couldn't be your parent. I hate people at my house, okay? And it's weird, right? Like, because people are like, you're you're such a party person. I'm like, no, no. Outside my house, outside. Maybe if the housekeeper is coming the next day, I'm like, fine, I can have some people over. But like parties regularly would stress me. I'm like, no, this is my sanctuary. This is my place of peace. So I love how supportive your parents were. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I really, I looking back, I'm like, my dad had a lot of patience too for that. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I know for, I think my, I think my family, so graphic designer background, right, fine artist, I think my family had a lot of patience for the fact that, or let me know, not my family, my grandma, my grandma specifically, because all her sheets always had like markers, paint, you know, scissor cuts, all of that. Um, the lady could not have a decent sheet in the house if I was in that room for more than 10 minutes. It was so bad. Uh, our parents really put up with quite a bit, but I think your story is just so different that like you have had this event planning um, interest or background for so long. Whereas most people I talk to on this podcast, they kind of fell into it. It was like an accident. It wasn't really the thing that they're like, this call to me. Um, so it's actually really cool to hear. 
I mean, as yeah. you as you transitioned, right, like from working in like large tech companies and like small tech companies, like what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in terms of like, you know, management buying and like budgetary constraints for events and that kind of thing, especially when you're starting from the ground up, like, are you coming in? You're like, okay, well, I need these 10 things. And they were like, oh, we didn't even think about that. So we don't even have this in the budget. Yeah, so it was it was actually really interesting. I just got off the um, heels of planning our sales kickoff, the very first sales kickoff, and um, we had the head of enablement was running it, and I asked the question, "Well, can I step in and help?" Because sometimes companies don't even know that they need you. Um, you know, I I was brought on on the the growth role, so doing a lot of third party events that weren't ours, and it was kind of like a light bulb moment of, "Hey, we do have an event manager." in here that can do this. So I basically took over everything to plan it from the ground up. That being said, I think sometimes the management doesn't think about the extras. Um, you know, we live in a time after the pandemic where you really got to get people to want to show up to something, to want to leave their house. And when you are a remote first company, that's a challenge, right? It's not it's not necessarily like other companies I've worked for where it's mandatory to be there. Um, and I think everybody kind of assumed there'd be a virtual component. And this is the first time we said, no, no virtual component. Let's, you know, get back to, to live events and let's do this in person. And so for me, some of the things that don't seem like big elements to, to the conference, you know, you, you want to get in all of your own internal things, but things like having a dynamic keynote speaker. Yeah, they're expensive, but it's it's very important to shake it up a bit and have somebody that thinks differently. So um, that was a hard sell for me this year. And I was, I'm happy to say we accomplished it and he was fantastic. Right. Um, and uh, team building. So uh, we had talked about doing team building and I think everybody thinks, well, we can just create a team building event for um, for the company and the event manager can run that and this and that. But if you're not trained to really engage people, what is what is everybody's comment after three days of sitting in a conference room? I don't want to do team building, you know? So yeah. I've been lucky in the last, you know, decade of my event planning to be really connected with great vendors and know who to put in place to shake that up. And I can say the best part of that event was watching this team go from, I don't want a team build to basically a group rock, paper, scissors for who was going to be on each people's team and everybody shouting and all the staff from the hotel saying, what is going on in here? Which is like a feel good moment for yeah, me, right? Yeah. You know, this is like, yes, I put the right elements in place. Um, and the final thing being, you know, things like swag, there's a pride in, in your company and really getting the correct swag at events so that when you're on those Zoom calls, once everybody goes home and you see that and they're proudly wearing it, it's such a, it, it brings the event home with them and makes them remember. Yeah. So I want to circle back a bit and you can tell me if I'm talking <laughs> too much, but like, but the budget though, like what kind yeah. of budgetary I mean I, I heard you talk about the fact you had to like fight for your keynote speaker right like I really yeah. like one um and you talked about a little bit about like different vendors and things but like what were like the budgetary conversations like and how did you handle those it's it's very hard to convince somebody to spend thousands of dollars on a speaker so the first thing that I did um and the first thing I always do again learning from the best everything's negotiable so when you've worked with vendors in the past um, you'd be surprised with the keynote speaker, you can go to your vendor and say, hey, listen, this is the budget I've got, and this may not be a realistic. I want to spend $5,000 on it, but I can spend upwards of 10 and they'll land you right in the middle at $7,500. Um, but showing you what their speaker value was 
then going to finance and saying, hey, listen, we had this amount to spend and I got them to come down $2,500. Can we come up $2,500 from our bottom line? Um, there's a lot of that going on to make them realize that there's a value to spending a little bit more than you wanted to, which in this case was, I don't know that we need this at all. And um, turns out we did. So um, I think I think negotiation first is key. Um, secondarily, showing your value in that you're not just going to go with the bottom line of what that what that speaker or that item is. Um, and I did that across the board for this this kickoff to make sure that we really were saving every last penny. Um, I always say with events, no matter what you do, you're probably going to have an overage. You can try to keep it on budget, but there's always some kind of surprise element on on site. So I try to prepare our finance team ahead of time, no matter where I'm at, to say, hey, listen, things happen on site. So just maybe go 10% up from what what we said here for food and beverage in case there's something that is unexpected on site. Um, so I, I think setting expectations without without rambling that out, uh, setting expectations and negotiation, I think, is the best way to do that. Okay. Um, what are the what are the first foundational steps you took when it came to building your events program? Um, you talked a little bit about uh, company members not really understanding like where you could step in. Um, yeah. you having to like really assert yourself and be like, Hey, I can, I can help you with this. But like outside of that, how did you, what was, what was the strategy? What was the plan for you coming in? Like, okay, this is what my first 30 days are going to be. This is what my first 60 days are going to be. This is what I'm going to do first 90. This is what the first year is going to be. Yeah. Um, so my first question always is what's my budget, right? That's going to, that's going to determine everything that I'm doing. And then realizing where do we want to be um, asking those what's the objective of of where we're trying to what we're trying to accomplish in a year and trying to build that and as i said you know we didn't have so much as a tablecloth or a, or a um a booth um and i really do believe the vendors that i've made relationships for become an extension of you when you're at a company so when you're able to bring them on board um, and you've worked with people for over a decade it's very easy to have them in place to make my life easier being a party of one that's doing this. So um, that being said, I came in, I had to do my homework. I had to realize it was a completely different industry. So having to do your homework on, you know, what's our, what's our customer profile look like? Where do we want to be in the market? And at this point we were um, dabbling in potentially doing our own internal events, which we have not accomplished yet, but um, hopefully that's on the horizon for us. Um, so really understanding Put, you're putting your brand out there in the marketplace, right? So you want to make sure not only are we putting ourselves in the correct place where our customers reside or our future potential customers reside, but also um, that you're doing it with your best foot forward. And that's where those vendors come in to say, like, I know that I'm going to create great products that puts the best foot forward for my company and really starts to put us on the map at these. Do you feel like your previous vendor experiences really kind of kind of like help you to create viable event programs or absolutely okay. knowing who to go to in every scenario 
first of all, it's working smarter, right? Like I'm not having to Google a hundred companies and really rely on the quality I'm going to get. Um, that's probably my, one of my number one tips is, is literally, you know, getting an arsenal of vendors and, and understanding how they can work for you and how they can make you shine as a rock star. Um, having, going back to the sales kickoff, having, having a company that does corporate events and knowing that they've done them well. And this is like, Mm -hmm. the second company and the sixth or seventh time I've used them, I know what product I'm going to get out of it. So they make me look great as an event manager. Um, same thing with down to um, hiring a speaker, right? I know a good speakers bureau that's not going to like leave you high and dry with somebody who's going to be boring on stage. I know that even at a $5,000 to $10,000 price point, I'm going to get somebody so dynamic. They're going to nail it you know, every time. Mm -hmm. So that to me, that's probably like key. And this is making those relationships, right? Like that can help you um, produce, produce quality events, both internal and external. So we talked about budget already. And I think I like kind of like dived into that. We're like all about negotiations, but like when you were planning Polio's like first kickoff event, and I mean, okay, you know what? Scratch that. It doesn't have to be Quilio. It could be, you know, any other company that you've worked with. Um, yeah. What were some key elements you consider to ensure like it's success and make a lasting impression on the attendees? Um, given given the budget as a restraint, is that what you're kind of going? Like, how do we make it memorable? I mean, that's the, for me, like, that's, that's the thing, like, I really want to know, right? Like, you have, especially now, as like, people are kind of like, transitioning back to in-person but still functioning from this okay we're in a recession mind state and like yeah don't don't spend money but get same results kind of vibe like yeah. I'm thinking that this this kind of information can be just as applicable in this situation for not just people who are starting out people who are accustomed to having more dollars and are still required to do you know more even though they have less that's always marketing though isn't it like that's that's always <laughs> how it is um, I've got some, some great ideas I'd love to share. So I'm going to start with, um, lighting, which is my favorite, um, in, and think about it, even in your own terms, lighting can change an entire room and it's very, very, um, cost effective. So for example, you know, this, this last go around, we, we put lighting up for the conference and then we had an awards dinner the last night and I changed the colors and changed, you know, the setting of the room. It, it transforms the entire room. And there's nothing better in this world than having your CEO walk into a room and say, wow, this is intimidatingly impressive, um, which is what happened to me the last time. I, I think that's I probably that. my favorite quote that I've ever received. Mm -hmm. um, and he said it a couple times, but again, all I had changed was the lighting and the setup a little bit. So that's no cost. I mean, I'm talking Uplighting LEDs can be hundreds of dollars versus thousands on this. Now, yeah. if sky's the limit, of course, I'm going to bring in a DMC and do linens and yeah, centerpieces. Yeah, 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 but yeah. centerpieces is another great one. Um, one of the tips that I learned, um, even from doing my own wedding, is asking, you know, what do you have in your inventory that we can put out? And then I ended up, for my wedding, I ended up leaving stuff for them, knowing as an event manager, somebody else is not going to have a budget to do things. You'd be surprised how often hotels have things in the background and love to do this stuff. Um, I've had, I've had nights where I've done, you know, this is another way to bring it into experiential food, right? Like let's do all the local stuff. We're, we're in this city. Let's like highlight you. 
Um, let's bring in what you've got that's local. You, sometimes you can go outside and grab something that's like a local flower or something to make a, a tablecloth. I know that's a little bit of a stretch or uh, centerpiece, not tablecloth, excuse me. Um, but that's that's another way to do it. I've done around the world stuff where people have flags and things that they've had left over from other conferences that they end up, this is great. Let's do like, you know, Mexico over here and we can do like China over here. And it really makes a lasting impression, especially if you're a global company saying, hey, we're going to have an around the world night. Look at all these food stations. Mm -hmm. um, food is so powerful mm -hmm. in events. I can't tell you how many people told me about our pasta bar just because we had a, a pasta station. People remember that stuff. Food is probably the number one thing that people will remember from a conference and make it good or bad. Uh, you know, if you're like me, you're a foodie, you, you love to eat, so. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I say this in this very weird way, like I am a big fan of working remotely. However, if you want me to get somewhere, I am always here for the site visits that require case testing. I Agreed. am always here for the conferences that like really throw the dollars and cents, not just into the programming, but also into my belly. I don't even need the alcohol. Like, <laughs> but if I can have a good meal and so it's weird because I'm I'm kind of picky with my eating. So um, I'm very low on the starch. So like no rice. I love pasta, but sparingly. So like maybe like once every six months. Yeah. Um, so like, People putting together menus that are like dynamically set up in a way where it can think or or offer something for everyone um, really appeals to me. And I'm sure it appeals to someone else because I think that really lends itself to allowing for a really diverse audience. Um, but you can of... also play around in addition to the food with with drinks. I love a good signature drink. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And again, hotels love to work with you when you say, let's come up with a drink that plays off of our company name. So our awards night this year, we made the Cosmo, which was a, a play mm -hmm. on, you know, Qualio and a Cosmo. And mm -hmm. The chef had a blast with it, trying to come up with things like that. that. Again, no cost, high impact. When somebody sees their logo done into a specialty drink, and I did that on on the fly on site. I was just like, let's let's play with this. Um, so that's another. Drinks can be everything too. We did a local. We've done a couple times throughout my career. I've done local brewery tastings. Sometimes breweries love to bring their their beer in just to get their name out there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the hotel can do it for you too, because they have vendors that bring in those craft brews. That's such a hot market now. So that's such a great way to kick off it in a new city, like, Hey, test out all the, the local stuff. So it's extending from food, you know, beverage is another place to play around with, with low budget. So earlier you were talking about, well, not earlier, but two seconds ago, you were talking about, um, you know, the, the Cosmo. Um, and then the ex the ex oh, wow I can't I can't find words today. Um, <laughs> the uh, experimentation that kind of happened there, like how do you balance staying true to um, your brand and company culture while also experimenting with new ideas and concepts? Like wh where do you have to draw the line, or is there even a line to draw? I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. I think if you you know sometimes companies are known for being having the it party of the year that everybody in the industry has to attend. And I think sometimes outdoing yourself from the year before is your brand. 
um, being more creative and, and coming up with uh, new ideas and how are they going to outdo what they did last year? I feel like that's what I lived for like a decade. Um, and I hope to bring that here where I'm at, where, you know, we have to start somewhere. It's baby stepping into some of my folks here at this at this company have never even been to a conference. So this was a wow experience, but now they know. So next year stepping into it, I've really yeah. got to step up the game and how do yeah. I, how do I do it yeah. bigger and better? Right? Like I've got yeah. ideas for days, but you can't just go in with the same Quasmo drink two years in a row. So yeah. I don't think that they're exclusive from one another. I think that can be your brand is to always be outdoing yourself. We're talking about like alcohol and like including like local breweries and things like that. But there's some people who attend events who don't necessarily drink alcohol. And that's, yes. that made me think about like, you know, the, the DEI component and just like building events that, you know, really are inclusive and, you know, welcoming and also accessible for like all kinds of attendees, especially when we're talking about um, this in-person event. What steps do you take to ensure that your events are like, you know, again, inclusive and accessible for all the people who you want to attend? That's a great question. I feel like as event managers, we're always learning as this this is evolving and trying to be more inclusive of everybody. Obviously, you're going to ask the normal questions on your registration form about, you know, ADA requirements or dietary restrictions, and you you try to get the hotels to to help with this as best as possible. Um, without shy of trying to make myself seem naive to some of these, I feel like I learn every year. Um, you know, this year I had a kosher dietary restriction and I was not aware of how that works. And I, the hotel was the one that brought to me and said, you know, well, their food has to be made in a kosher kitchen and how, you know, how kosher are they? And, and, and really trying to understand that I was very pleasantly surprised the lengths that the hotel was going to go to, to make sure that this person was comfortable. And I wanted to do the same thing. It turns out he said, no, 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 I'm not that restrictive. I just need to, you know, not this, not this and not this. Um, but I think that hotels are becoming more aware of that. Everybody's got, you know, diversity training and things like that. But I think that's a good point to make sure as event managers, we stay on the up and up on that because I, I don't like to be surprised. That's my one thing um, with events. Don't surprise me at my own event. And um, I, I felt very ignorant on this subject and I felt like I, I should have known more. So I think we're always learning as event managers and trying to be mindful of, of not just dietary restrictions, but everything. Um, I, I want to make sure that hotels have, you know, accessibility for, for any of my guests, or I've had staff that have been helping me that need to have rooms closer to elevators because they can't walk as far to the conference center. So I think when you're the event manager, you have to know every little thing. I think um, sometimes what happens at events is people are too shy to speak up when they're different then. And I want to know that stuff. I want everybody to have the same experience at my event. So I think sometimes we see that stuff on surveys and it's a lack of somebody stepping up and, and being empowered to say that. So I hope that I'm bringing that to all my events that I'm empowering people to have the same, the same experience, no matter what, what you need or what your, you know, restrictions are. Uh, well, number one, I think you should give yourself some grace. Um, uh, for those of, you know, who are not like watching, but they're only listening. Like I'm a, a young black girl from a Caribbean Island. I don't know everything about all the other young black girls from Caribbean islands. There are things that I am also ignorant to, but I think it's really important to be open and like willing to hear and learn. And it sounds like you are that, um, and just like willing to kind of like make the appropriate accommodations to make people feel welcomed. 
but you said you had said like you um you want everyone to have the same experience and I'm going to challenge just a little bit because of I don't course. I don't think I don't think with everybody having different backgrounds and different cultural and social experiences that they can have the same experience it's just not it's just not a it's not a realistic thing but I think that event planners managers marketers support staff can provide something by way of a different tool mechanism layout to provide a similar experience um I'll, I'll rephrase that and say, I want everybody to leave my events with a positive feeling. So no matter what, you know, no matter what the experience is. And I, I think, I think no matter what we do as event managers, you're going to get feedback that's negative. And I've said that to everybody. I used to take that so personally at everyone. And then I realized people are just people, right? Um, and some people just like to complain to complain. I hate to say that, but they do. Um, so I really try to dive into survey responses and, and fix the definite things that are broken, not just the surface level things that you're going to see on every event, yeah. every event survey. From yeah. People. I mean, honestly, so even like me as a business owner, like, especially, I think, especially when we're like starting to implement new things, we get feedback. Okay. The oh, clients yeah. have feedback and they will call. Um, and they don't, they don't want to talk to my team. They want to talk to me. And so I'll jump on the phone and I'll listen to them and some of it, in all transparency there, some of it is very emotional and a little bit of ranting and some things I can't control. So I listen for the things I can control and I can improve, right. I can fix. And I address those as quickly and as um, efficiently as I possibly can. And then hopes in hopes to fix those things will alleviate the emotional things, which is worry or stress or, you know, whatever that is. So I can totally understand that and like how that actually functions or how you actually function within that space. Um, you have like a mantra where you talk about like, you know, things that are meant to be. Um, what are like your favorite meant to be moments in like event in your like event planning career and how did it shape your approach to creating experiences? I think this is my favorite question, um, bringing in and, and to say it's a mantra, I have to give you guys the, or your audience, the backstory of why it's meant to be, uh, my grandmother, I, you know, I'm a warrior, I'm a planner, I'm a everything. And my, my grandmother would always tell me if it's meant to be, it will be like, and it, it was so calming to me that it became my mantra. It's on my license plate. It's my one and only tattoo. Like it's how I live my life. Um, so I'm glad that you asked this question. I really am. Um, to say, I had to think about this, like, and I think I want to talk about a negative and then a positive, um, from there, because so my very first event with my previous company was a disaster. And I think, I don't think people talk about their disasters enough, right? Like I was overwhelmed. I, I wanted to be an event manager, but I had never really been in charge of something. I was put in a position where I didn't know all the things. And now I feel like the best advice I can give to event planners is to be a duck, right? You're calm on the surface, but your feet are just going hundred miles an hour. And as you get seasoned in your career, that's yeah. easy to say, but, but yeah, I want to go yeah. back to what you said earlier, giving myself grace. I wish I could give my, you know, 12 year old, 12 years ago self some grace in this because event planning is hard and it's detail oriented. So I was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I cried in the back office. I, in front of all of my colleagues, it, it was a mess. Right. 
And after the event ended, I really thought I'm going to get fired. Like they didn't hire the right person. And my manager pulled me in her office and told me about a similar experience she had and how a boss gave her grace and stepped up and and she at that, that point, would make me cry right now and I'm trying yeah. really hard <laughs> not to she uh, and she had been in a previous life on Wall Street so was telling me about the stress of Wall Street she's like you want to talk about stress that's stress and she's like you will survive from this but you'll never forget this moment and I think that that as a event manager helped me give grace to other people not just to myself but to other people because it is hard work right and sometimes we do get caught in the moment and there's months of this planning and you're on site and thank goodness I cried in the back office and not in front of the whole the whole company but it's okay to be human right like that was a meant to be moment for me that I've carried through my life to say like okay when things are tough like it's okay to live in those feelings and then pick yourself up and move on um the second meant to be moment is a positive it's a very uh, it's a very curveball but I wanted to bring this into the mix because I feel like certain things happen in your in your world that are brought to you that are there for a reason um for these these meant to be moments um and my my previous company was a sponsor to a great company. I am going to put their, them out there because I love them with all my heart. It's Paws for People. They train um, service dogs for veterans and civilians and people with disabilities. And I had the privilege of doing the golf tournament every year for this. But what that turned into was a personal relationship with this organization. Um, my husband and I just moved down to North Carolina. We're about 45 minutes from them. And now we have their puppies through our home probably uh, six to eight times a year. We're very involved in the organization and we actually now do our own charity crab fest every year for them to raise money back for them. And so I think sometimes work can bring you into these things you don't even know you needed. There's such a great good feeling that's come from that, from my event planning, that now I'm doing my own event for them. And it's minor to, ha- I keep saying it's minor. It's it's not minor. It's, you know, we, we don't raise nearly as much as the big corporate corporations, but I feel good about that. And that's something my job brought to me. And I truly feel like that's meant to be for me, that I'm right here with them. Honest. Okay. So Lindsay, so before we we're talking and I was telling you I was having a day and I don't, I, now I'm not even sure. Like, I'm not sure if it's because I'm having a day or if the story was just so touching. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with yours <laughs> because I, I'm over here like all teary eyed and, Aww. and like, I'm saying to myself, gosh, I need to give myself some grace for today because it's, it's been a day. Um, and I think my favorite part of what you just shared was the style of leadership that you got. I, I can honestly say that there's some instances where like I had horrible experiences in corporate America and I wish I had that level of like mentorship in every situation. But then there were other times where I just had to you know, not have a great experience and take the best from it and learn from it and improve myself and move forward and still have to pick myself up. Um, But I really loved how you kind of shared that story and how that story impacts how you choose to mentor and lead other people like within the industry, even your vendors. So I love that. Um, Gosh, I'm a big puppy right now. Um, (laughs) But on that note... I have one more question for you. Okay. Uh, Can you share one event that you think every corporate event 
planner and marketer should attend at least once in their life? I'm going to share an event and I haven't been to it myself. So I feel like a hypocrite telling you this because it's something that I tell myself every year I'm going to make it to. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't. And that's IMEX, IMEX. Oh my gosh. I've never been. I'm going this year. This Excellent. Think, we, can, okay. we can connect there. I think you should go. And yes. you should both go. And yes, we are going to this thing. I've said it for my entire career. And if for those out there that don't know how it works, typically you you can get an invite from the industry and it's, you know, they'll put you up in the hotel and do all of this and you meet with a ton of vendors. But I think learning from our industry is the best, you know, best gift. And how are you going to learn to be an effective event planner if you can't see other events in? And I think this is the event of all events. And I, I literally, I said this to my boss this year, I was like, I will make it to this event this year. Like, this is the year that it's going to happen. It's either always been wrong timing or we're in the middle of planning something else, or I don't prioritize it. I think oftentimes we don't prioritize our own kind of needs, but I think yeah. that's, you know, I'm in, I'm in my year of renewing my CMP. And so mm -hmm. I've had a lot of industry education this year, but I want to continue that. You know, now that the credits are done and I'm ready to recertify yeah. that, I still want to continue to learn because this industry is ever changing. And if you don't stay relevant, you'll get you'll get swallowed whole by it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Thanks. For, I clear again, clearly had another moment, but thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining. Thank you for just being willing to have this conversation and kind of like share your experiences. I just know that someone's going to listen to this and they're going to take some serious knowledge back to their place of employment and, and I just hope so. kill it. I hope so. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your podcast. My pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of Aventus 365. We hope you enjoyed listening and learning something new today. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to help event professionals discover us. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and sign up for our newsletter for behind the scenes content and updates on upcoming events. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at info at eventus365.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Eventus 365.